This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a special edition of the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. Following the rollout of the top 247 rankings for the recruiting cycle 2020, as we head into the second and final signing date coming up one week from today, good news for Alabama on that front, as you saw multiple players take on a fifth star from 247sports.com. You saw Alabama jump to the top of the recruiting rankings from a team perspective, according to 247sports.com. But I think it's important, as I bring Tim Watts on here, to speak to the differences in the rankings in that what we saw on Tuesday were the top 247 rankings. But there's also, Tim, the composite rankings, which have become wildly popular, widely accessed, and cited by outlets throughout the industry. Kind of speak to that as we get going here, Tim, and and before we really get into the nuts and bolts of this Alabama 2020 recruiting class. Yeah, you know, there's sometimes there's a confusion because <clears throat> when you go to our database, um, it, it, it defaults to the 24-7 composite rankings. And the composite rankings are simply put, every recruiting ranking, the, the major people that do recruiting rankings, ESPN rivals us, we they, they put those rankings in a pool, divided by three, come up with a composite, a consensus. And it sort of like takes away like any, you know, jaded view you might have. And it's real. I love it because it gives you an estimate on what all three of them think at once. Now, of course, I'm very partial to our 24-7 guys, Barton Simmons, Charles Power, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, and Steve Wiltfong. They do a great job. I know these guys. I know Bama fans kid about them. But believe me, if you know me, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't put my name on people that. That uh, that uh, you know had had a bias against Alabama or anybody to be honest with you. I really think those are some of the most neutral guys you'll ever see. I mean, I talk to them on a weekly basis, not just about recruiting, but they're actually friends of mine. They do a really good job. So their ranking, our ranking, the 24/7 rankings were out uh, yesterday, and of course Bryce Young was number one. He was up from number three. It was a good little movement for Alabama, but you know the composites just sort of that that catch-all you know you know you get all the services together you divide it up by the number of services you come up where the average ranking is so you basically you're getting an average and then the 24 7 rankings came out yesterday led by barton simmons and those guys so yeah you touched on it in regards to the top 247 rankings uh rollout yesterday uh man the bryce young train Tim, I guess we got to start there. It just keeps rolling right along an early enrollee. And really, when I look at these uh, rankings from Tuesday, I see Alabama's top six rated signees in December are already on campus. Bryce Young already on campus. Um, Will Anderson already on campus. Chris Braswell. So 
it's kind of uh, the best of both worlds when you talk about having these guys as highly rated as they are, but then also having them on campus. But with Young, uh, you've heard Nick Saban say it even last month when Young signed with Alabama. He didn't really hide his feelings towards this young guy. He, he thinks he has everything needed to be an elite player, a championship caliber quarterback at Alabama. Um, but Bryce Young wasn't the only guy that made a nice jump on Tuesday either, was he? No, you know, the one that stood out the most was Will Anderson. And, you know, I don't know his initial ranking. I don't think it was particularly high when Alabama took his commitment. A lot of schools, I'm not sure what some of these schools didn't see and Will Anderson that they didn't like, but his junior film was good. Um, his senior film was fantastic, and I was catching snippets of it game by game, mid-year stuff, and can tell how you know could tell how much you know how good he looked. And uh, but his senior film came out and it blew you away. And then he went to the All-American Bowl and he was a mauler. I mean, he absolutely he jumped to number five in the rankings. I think he's up almost 60 spots from the you know from the low 60s to number five. Um, probably I think some people can make a case he was even higher than that in some situations. I mean, you're talking about a guy much needed by Alabama, needs to get to the quarterback, a good size, pretty good thickness. He's going to add 10 or 12 pounds. Not much difference physically, and I don't want to compare him to these guys, but physically he could be sort of that, that uh, you know, the Bears, the outside linebacker, Max, sort of that loose role of a Von Miller, that guy who can get to the quarterback, play a little bit in space, but I mean, he's, he's a handful. I mean, he earned, you're talking about a guy that's earned it, earned his way. This is definitely a guy that did it. Yeah. We've talked about Will Anderson extensively really since you and I have started doing this type of stuff with the built by Bama online podcast and, you know, watching his senior tape, the thing that differentiated Will Anderson from some of the other guys, the elite guys at his position for this cycle was power you know, at the point of attack, uh, you see a lot of guys, you're going to see guys in this Alabama class, in addition to Will Anderson, that when you talk about first step twitch and explosiveness and dynamic edge rush ability, they pretty much all have that where Will Anderson sort of differentiated himself a little bit, especially this early on in his development was he looks to have that ability to already be able to hold up at the point of attack, to set the edge against the run game. Those type of things that, as you alluded to, he's still going to put on another 15 or 20 pounds. So he's not to his ceiling by any means. Uh, but at this early stage, Tim, in his development, uh, I'd say his all-around package, his all-around game is further along than, than a lot of guys at that spot. Oh, yeah. I like the most about him is he gets right into your chest, <clears throat> he puts those paws on you, and he extends those arms. He's got a lot of separation. Now, when he gets those big arms on you, when he gets those long arms on you, and he's pushing you back, we saw a lot of guys, he didn't bother to go around or under. He went straight through them in the uh, All-American Bowl drills. Took several guys back to the uh, to the pad where they were supposed to be sacking the imaginary quarterback. Just, I mean – Alabama needed this guy. They needed this guy. And, of course, there's going to be, a, you know, the, the learning curve. He's still going to have to deal. He's going to have to learn to deal with the Alex Leatherwoods of the world because SEC's full of them. But, I mean, when you're looking for a guy, with, like you said, with power, speed, his quickness off the ball is is, is, is obscene. He, he can move. I mean, this guy, well well earned. And, you know, we talked about this the whole year. You and I did on the message board, on the roundtable. We talked about it here. 
and I said it, Alabama staff. I mean, I've, I mean, Nick Saban has recruited some great staffs, some state, uh, great classes here. Um, but I've never seen them evaluate better. I don't, I don't believe because didn't Jerry Judy? Everybody knew Jerry Judy was pretty good, you know. And, right. And 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 Tua and some of those guys. And Alabama staff just did a great job of recruiting them. But these are guys that not many people wanted. Anderson didn't have a Georgia offer, for instance. Wow. So these are guys that just they evaluated, and you saw them rise. You saw them rise with All Star games. You saw them rise with senior footage. You saw them rise. Uh, uh, topped of you know from the start of the uh, the cycle to the end of the cycle and that, I mean that's what you want from, from an evaluation no doubt about it and speaking of a, another really good evaluation it appears Tim Smith the big defensive tackle that we talked a lot about from Sebastian Florida Sebastian River High School he like Will Anderson one of those uh, big big risers yesterday in that top two four seven moving up into the top thirty taking on like Will Anderson his fifth star um, this is another guy I'd say he's kind of the Will Anderson equivalent just at the defensive line position would you would you agree with that Yeah I was a huge fan of this guy way early I I loved him I mean I knew Alabama staff loved him. He wasn't getting a lot of publicity. I knew he had good, good junior film, so I expected him to be a good, solid top 100 prospect. But his senior film, I mean, that, that's a dancing bear. And you talk about another guy that's got quickness off the snap, another guy that's, you know, this guy, he's 300 pounds, 300 plus, plant, 300 plus pounds. And he will put his hands on you as well and move you out of the way. So, uh, you know, when you're looking, you know, we're going to go through a lot of these guys, and you're going to see that not only are they good players, but they were needs for Alabama. Tim Smith, South Sinceri did a great job there. Kind of weird recruitment uh, looking back at it because, you know, he he his coach told us at his sophomore year if Alabama offered, he'd go to Alabama. Alabama offered and he committed. And then he took like four unofficial visits to Florida and an official visit had everybody scared to death. But I don't think he was ever that close to, to not going to Alabama, to be honest with you. I mean, South Sinceri, hats off, did a great job. Uh, a land in him, another defensive lineman. And we saw that this year. Alabama needed guys. They needed depth. They needed quality players. Uh, you know, Anderson and Smith provide both of that for next year's team. Even as true freshmen, I expect them to be hard to keep off the field. So, yes, you know, another great get. With with Tim Smith taking on a fifth star, uh, it looks like Chris Braswell is now a high four star, but you still have five industry generated 24 7 sports composite five stars when you talk about bryce young will anderson making that move chris braswell's a composite five drew sanders maintains his five-star status pretty much across the board um but then you know you also have and tim smith uh moving up to that uh that five-star status according to 247sports.com but you've got some guys right there on the fringe of that five-star status tim we talk so much about five stars uh but it it has just as much to do with that sort of next tier and it's right there on the fringe of five star when you get into the des moines kennedys the jace mcclellans the bryce uh the brian branches q robinson roydell williams i mean these are guys right there on the cusp of that sort of uh status that all these guys covet yeah you know with braswell he was never he was never a five star for 24/7 sports, he was always in that high four-star range, so he kept his uh, he kept his initial ranking. But you know, the thing about Braswell, people aren't really talking about. And I was, uh, I've spoken to people close to him. Apparently, he 
he played pretty dinged up this year and didn't talk about it. Had a little bit of an ankle injury, and anybody with an ankle injury can tell you there's no such thing as that, that ankle not bothering you. And also he had a shoulder issue, so I know that's a guy that I still like, another guy coming off the edge. We haven't even talked about Drew Sanders, who's a who's a five-star and, you know, the, the Oklahoma – I try not to talk about Drew Sanders, Tim, because I end up talking about him as a tight end. You know, he, that's why I, that's why I steer clear of Drew Sanders again. Although I totally expect him to be a, an impact guy on the edge I mean, I, on defense. I, I could see Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Golden <laughs> stripping their shirts off and wrestling. For Arm this wrestle, yeah. like oh, like Seinfeld, Festivus wrestling. <laughs> shirts off in the living room. Come on, Pete, I want him. I can see it. The guy definitely ladder match. Yeah. yeah. The board definitely loves loves him as a, a tight end. I love him as a defensive guy. I think maybe I think a little bit more like Nick Saban than I than I do than There's I do. There's too much value at that position if he can play it, Tim, and play it and I, very effectively. I, not to play him at at, at at outside linebacker. There's too much value there. Yes, outside linebacker rush in inside linebacker, and that's what yeah. hurt Alabama not having. Irv Smith didn't hurt yeah. Alabama this year. And I'm still a big fan of Forstall. I still think Billingsley's going to be okay. If they end up with Carl Tucker, the grad uh, transfer, Alabama's fine at tight end. They haven't had a history of 1,000-yard receiving tight ends to begin with. Irv Smith spoiled us. I mean, he was really, really good. But part of the reason Irv Smith was always open is because he was chasing those four wide receivers and Nick Jacobs and Najee everywhere, too. So I think we'll be fine. But with Drew, I agree. His tight end film is good. I'm not going to deny it. He could definitely play tight end if he chose to. I think the Alabama staff, you know, part of them at least would be happy to have him. But uh, tremendous football player. And the one thing we really haven't even discussed yet is that all these guys we're talking about, they've got that mentality they need to to come to Alabama. There's not going to be – I think Alabama did a good job of avoiding some of the possible pitfalls. And you can't – you never know what a kid's going to do. Let's be clear about that. You don't, don't know what a – what a eight, you know, you might know what he might do at 18, but you never know what he'll do at 20. But as far as vo- avoiding major red flags and potential pitfalls, I think they did a great job of getting guys, like you said, eight, you know, all these guys in enrolled early. Some of the top guys skipping their prom, skipping their senior season um, shows you their dedication. Drew certainly fits that along with Anderson Young and and uh, and Tim Smith. couple of top 10 backs for the 2020 recruiting cycle also already in cam- on campus in Jace McClellan of Alito, Texas, uh, the highly, highly rated four star and Roy Dell Williams, the in-state star from Hueytown. They're going to be a part of spring practice when that gets underway here in Tuscaloosa in March. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 again, it, it's a class that if it, if it isn't um, higher or, or fives or high fours, um, you've also got some guys that rank in that four-star group, and a guy that you talked about recently on T. Watts and T.R. on Monday, Damian George, how he's helped himself really since the end of the of the high school football season. You know, the thing about Damian, he's had sort of an unfortunate recruiting cycle in the fact that, one, everyone falsely assumed that people were going to take Damian George to get Zach Evans. I said it from day one, that's not the case. Alabama staff like Damian George. Now, what didn't help George's case is he's not really about those rankings and all that all that press. Very quiet kid. He didn't um, he didn't put up junior or senior films. We didn't get a great look. Now I watched him live, and I was telling people, hey, this guy's good. 
this guy's a big kid. He's not just a big kid, but he moves and he puts his hands on you. Long arms. He looks the part. Now, he has had a pretty good body transformation since his freshman year. Definitely a big old guy. Big old guy. Probably not in the best shape, but his body's transformed every year. I was told multiple times he's improved every year. He goes to the, you know, he goes to the Under Armour All-American game and more than holds his own. Now, I'm not saying he's a he's a he's a five-star offensive tackle, but I can tell you this: he handled some five-star defensive linemen. He did a great job against Jordan Birch, who's one of my personal favorites in this class. That's committed to South Carolina and flirting with. Uh, with LSU that took a look at Bama, defensive end, big athletic kid. He did a great job of sealing him off, getting out on that edge and, and uh, um, keeping him off the quarterback in the game. I mean, I had 11 straight plays, I think, where he had positive uh, positive film against, against Birch and whoever was out there. So big monster of a kid, Carl Scott, who really was Alabama's best recruiter this year when you think about it as far as ha- he made the most of his opportunities with getting guys like Damian George, could have had Zach Evans had, had Nick Saban chose to go that route. He flipped uh, he flipped Drew Sanders. He flipped Jace McClellan, the guys we're talking about. But, yeah, Damian George made a, made a huge leap. It's very deserving. And if we didn't saw Damian early on, I think he'd probably ended up a little bit higher. But we ended up making the big jump, uh, you know, after seeing him at the All-Star game. What about some of these guys that maybe were fringe two four seven uh, ranked individuals, uh, and then perhaps you know you think about their their upside, and you know you talk about Damian George uh, from that perspective. Um, you talk about a guy like Jamil Burroughs, uh, assuming that perhaps the the, the academic hurdles uh, I guess get cleared. Uh, Javon Baker is sort of a top two hundred guy. Uh, and, and, and when we talk about these guys, we're talking about guys that you're still expecting to see sign with Alabama one week from today, right? And Baker, Burroughs, and Damian George. Yeah, I think that, you know, Baker might, I'm not sure exactly. I think Alabama will, I think it just depends on how this plays out. They still have Alfred Collins, the big Texas defensive lineman that's looking at Alabama. I personally, right now, I'd probably give the, the edge to the in-state school. I think we discussed this Monday He's 30 minutes from Texas, and he's 10 hours or so from Alabama. They're also still fighting for McKinley Jackson. Alabama's definitely in the mix there. Probably the biggest competition with the, the Texas A&M Aggies. So, yeah, I think that some of that could factor into what happens with them. But um, when you look, like, it's the thing I, you know, like the fan, you know, I posted video of a kid Alabama was flirting at, the, uh, the Fra- I can't remember, Frazier kid from Texas, tight end. Yeah, and our board members and people I sent the film to said were just poo pooed on this guy because he was a three star. But he it, obvious if you watch the film, if you'll settle down and watch the film and do any kind of research, you'll see make your own opinion. It's going to be better off for you with this class. I think if you do the same, even down to Caden Clark, Caden yeah. Clark. I know he's injured, so that changes you know some things. His timeline's changed a little bit, but Caden Clark is exactly what the Alabama staff wanted. And if tight end was such a priority for this Alabama staff, they would have recruited more tight ends. Let's be honest. The fact they went all in on Eric Gilbert, who's a freak in the O.J. Howard mode, that doesn't mean much. I mean, everybody wanted Eric, anybody to take an Eric Gilbert. So that doesn't mean tight end's a priority. And then you get to Darnell Washington, who went to Georgia, definitely involved there. But I think most schools knew he could possibly end up defensive line and even more likely possibly the offensive line. 
um, if he didn't work out at tight end. So tight end wasn't a huge priority. But if you look at this staff, if you start with the film, either, even Seth McLaughlin, he's a good player. For a center, he's what you're looking for. I mean, their film evaluations are really good. They're, it's a fun class to watch. I'd recommend everybody does it. And then you look at some of those guys, again, that we were sort of touching on that you know aren't on the marquee, so to speak, of this 2020 class. But physical attributes, things like that, they check the boxes. You hear Nick Saban talk time and time again about those critical factors. Uh, a corner like Jacquez Robinson, who is already enrolled. He's six one and a half, 190 pounds. He checks that box. Treshawn Holden, 6'3", 195 at the wide receiver position. Uh, Tyu Jones-Bell, maybe not so much in terms of size, but when you look at his tape and you see his release and his get-off, he's very much in line with these other South Florida wide receivers that Alabama's had a pretty good bit of success with. So, you know, I think the point goes back to really what you were talking about with Caden Clark, um, and and we and you said it earlier. I think our staff at 247sports.com. I can only speak for them. I don't know who else does this type of stuff for the other services, the other outlets. But I know that Barton Simmons and I know that Charles Power and Greg Biggins and those guys. I know the time and effort and and the accumulative experience they have in watching these guys throughout the years, uh, what they possess. So uh, I respect their, their, their opinions and their evaluations totally. Uh, but no one knows better what's going to fit, what's going to work best in a particular program, like the people doing the evaluations. And no, you there's, know, yeah, there's no- Kyle, Ed- Kyle Edwards, another one of those guys, he, he, you watch Kyle Edwards, and you look at him, he's ranked 421 nationally, I guess. But if if you know what Alabama's about offensively and at that position, it hits you pretty quickly that, yeah, Kyle Edwards could be a very nice fit for this offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to, you know, you know this, it's hard to cover the nation. I try to, you know, tell people that. I did it for basketball for years. Um, you are a little bit at the mercy of the all-star camps because that's when I can see the top players go against each other. Our guys are the same way. Luck, we used to do it without huddle film. You're talking about a pain in the ass. I mean, try doing, oh, gosh. That, try doing that, tracking down film and calling coaches to get them send you film, put watching the VH tape, sending it to the office so they can put the clips online. You're talking about a pain in the butt. So it's 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 a lot. You know you, you know a lot. There's a lot of stuff you can miss. And you know the funny thing is, it's not evaluators that miss. It's college coaches. There's a dozen. Oh, yeah. of, there's a does. I mean, Nick Jake. I mean, Josh Jacobs is the classic example of what the heck are y'all doing? Don't talk to me about it. You know, what did y'all do? Y'all mean so many people missed on him. So, um, yeah, but Kyle Edwards, that's a guy. You know, and another thing is one man's three star is another man's five stars. It's, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly it. The, yeah. You can go into a system. You can be a system guy. And if you're the perfect fit for that system, you it might be a five-star fit. So Kyle Edwards is a guy. <clears throat> Alabama, a little bit of trouble going to Slade Bolden, you know, out of the uh, Wildcat on some short yardage plays this year. Kyle's that guy that might be able just to go in there. He's certainly got the mentality to stick his head in there and get that first down. Um, not anything against Slade or anything else. But if you just wanted to go to a pure running back, you know, the thing about it is there's not a lot known about him. Last year he start he played behind John Emery, who went to LSU. He was a five-star running back for us. He still had okay stats. This year he had 1,800 and 
1,800-plus yards, probably close to 2,000 total yards, maybe 25, 30 touchdowns. I forget what it was. But he's a guy, and he's not sexy. He's not He's not that guy. He's not Trey Sanders where he's going to make a lot of reverses, reversing the field and jumping everybody. What he's going to do is he's going to go down the line. Hey, and let me tell you, we've seen some dancers. We've seen some, you know, we've seen some tiny dancers in that backfield that where they where they were juking and jiving too much, and Nick Saban had a problem with it. Najee was one until we finally learned to put that foot down and cut. This is a guy that probably never going to juke and jive because he didn't do it in high school. He's going to plant that, find a whole plant of foot and go. There's my, my guy Slade Bolden though. He's going to stay in that wildcat. You know why? Because he can throw that jump pass, Tim. Slade dude, can throw I, that dude, little I'm jump all, pass. I'm all about it, but if they, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> they want to go with the conventional running back. Kyle sort of fits that. Oh, yeah. Also, when you look. At this class, I mean, it's not again. It's not the same level as the the year Nick Saban signed four running backs because that had Alvin Kamara and it had you know it had Derrick Henry. That's a crazy group right there. But these guys are really good. Roydell Williams doesn't get nearly enough you know press. We talk about those guys that are just dogs on the field. You know, you'd look up at Roydell and you know late in the game he'd be at defensive end sacking the quarterback, causing a fumble. You know, he's out there trying to help his team win. You know, make plays. Um, you also look at a guy like Jace McClellan, really quiet recruitment. You know, kid doesn't talk hardly at all. You know, flip late in the process. But, you know, he's a guy committed to Oklahoma and Alabama, you know, got in there with him. He's a guy that was super impressive, especially in his state championship game. And, again, they play like 16 games. I mean, 15 He was beat up, banged up, wasn't he? Yeah, and still had a great game. I mean, te- yeah. that's why – that's why uh, uh, I think Jace and uh, Drew Sanders didn't play in the All-Star game. Man, they had just finished a 16-game season. So uh, Jace is another one. Roy Dale, Kyle Edwards. You look, whatever you want in a running back is in that little three-team package you got. So whatever you want, they got it. They got good quality depth. And these guys are more Alabama running backs that we saw early in Nick Saban's career, more of the, the Eddie Lacy, the Trent Richardsons, the, the Mark Ingrams, the, between the tackle type guys, between these three and uh, Trey Sanders, and we've seen them get the smaller guys. Keelan, you know, he's one that 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 came in, and uh, uh, you know, Ford who transferred out. So I think they're going back to what they're most familiar with at that running back position. You look at McClellan and Williams just in terms of their measurables; they appear to be almost identical. McClellan listed at five ten and a half, two hundred and two pounds. Roydell Williams, five ten. 202 pounds now Edwards is going to add a little bit more of a probably bruiser uh to that mix so these are guys that should complement each other well to go along with what Alabama already has in that oh, running back room hey and Jason Roydell if they wanted to be in a weightlifting a bodybuilding competition they yeah. probably could cut down 15 pounds this week and go finish in the top three there's some ripped up fellas yeah. um super strong not a lot of wasted you know, my, I'd guess their uh, their body fat's really low. They could definitely add 10 more pounds and not miss a beat. So uh, we talk about Bryce Young. Man, what a run for this guy. Moves I mean, to the top of the, the, the top 247 rankings, a consensus national high school player of the year. Comes in here early as an enrollee in January. Going to jump right into that quarterback competition. It's going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban handles this with Bryce Young, because even as we said earlier, at the time of Young signing in December, Nick didn't really hold back. Nick can typically be kind of conservative about what he says about certain signees, especially when he knows that the expectations are going to be monumentous 
And that's going to be the case with Bryce Young. But what I take from all that, Tim, is that Nick Saban really feels like this is a young guy that is mature enough already and advanced enough in terms of said maturity that he can handle it, that that he has that stuff that you need at this early stage of his development to come in here at a place like Alabama and perhaps be the guy quickly. Yeah, and I think there's so many similarities to Katua, to be honest with you. The one biggest thing that separates them to me is there's not as much um, uh, Brett Favre gunslinger in Bryce Young as there is in Tua. Tua's a fearless guy. Yeah. Too fearless. I imagine <laughs> in practice he used to call some some hair pulling and some hand hand wringing with that practice. That kid has no no lack of confidence. I think Bryce is a little more mature where to stick it. You know where to put that ball. When to try to throw between two defenders. Um, a little bit more patient. I don't think that was ever Tua's Tua's forte. I think he was ready to, you know, like, I'm ready to go sit on the bench. Go deep, Judy. You know, one play, let's get out of here. Right. I think he had that mentality where I think Bryce is okay with a 16-play, four-and-a-half-yard-a-play drive. I think that's okay. I saw him do that, in fact, with that loaded team he was on. Um, you know, and he's going to come in. He's going to have, you know, he's really, you know, he walks into a situation that's really beneficial to him. He got – 80% of the offensive line back, you know, as we discussed, he could have had 20% of it back. He also is going to get a uh, four stall back, a healthy. He's going to have him as a target at tight end. DeMonta Smith was huge, putting somebody on the opposite side of Henry Ruggs. And I've said several times, Najee back there as your knight shining armor protecting you is a big deal because there's not many guys coming. There's not many bandits coming bigger than Najee that Najee can't stick, you know, stick his head into and, and knock him off the path you know and I like you know we talk about Bryce Young so much and he and he deserves every bit of you know I asked Kane South the other day I said how many awards of this and he said good grieving I've lost I lost count long ago and how many I mean it's only news if Bryce didn't win the high school award at this stage so he won so much but you know we briefly touched talked on a Thaddeus Jones Bell Thayu Jones Bell and the thing the thing you know with this guy sort of felt bad for him because I think he is that South Florida Big-time wide receiver. Now, he might not be in the same <clears throat> same realm as, as, as Calvin and Amari and Judy and those guys, but he might. He is. That's what I was yeah. going to say. He, he might not, but that's not a that's not insulting. That's like you know, that's like me saying, Travis, you're not as good as Brad, good-looking as Brad Pitt. Well, well, you're wrong, but that's okay. I, I mean, I would be erroneous in that statement. <laughs> that's a very poor example. You're correct. But that doesn't mean, you know, that guy's not a handsome lad. Thio Jones-Bell is a handsome lad, regardless if he puts up those numbers. He's fast. He's explosive. He did not have an ideal quarterback situation in high school. That was not that was not the best quarterback to showcase his ability. And then he goes to the Under Armour All-American game, and their quarterbacks weren't as good as the uh, – all-American Bowl game. So he really didn't have a lot of opportunity to show his stuff. Physically, I think he's got what, what it takes. The Holden kid, Treshawn Holden's another one. Not a lot of guys. Everybody wanted five-star, five-star. Why is in Alabama getting five stars? Because um, a lot of these kids didn't know whether Judy was coming back. They didn't know Devonta Smith was coming back. They probably thought Henry Ruggs was coming back. I think at the start of the year, most of us thought Henry will be back, Devonta will be back, Judy will be gone. So in that scenario, there's three big-time wide receivers ahead of him. But Treshawn Holden, a big kid from California, injured a few games. I don't think he was ever 100%, but he was a guy that's a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. So 
Bryce walks into this situation where he's got a lot of parts around him. So it's really why, you know, not only is he talented enough on his own, but it looks like he's really set up. You know, if Sarkeesian's there with him, he's really set up for success. Now, that doesn't change anything for, you know, I'm not going to get in this debate about Max Jones, yes or no, or, or uh, Talia, yes or no, or Bryce, yes or no. I'm just talking about Bryce's chances. Right. He's got a lot of things working in his favor. I still think the spring I, I still think the spring's going to tell the tale with the quarterbacks in a lot of ways. I think it'll you'll walk away from A Day having a pretty good idea of how tight that competition is genuinely going to be in the summer when they get into August because there's been times say like I don't know uh when when you transition to uh uh AJ McCarron you know, from Greg McElroy. Remember that competition uh, with, with Philip Sims and AJ? And you, you still felt like, uh, even coming out of spring, AJ's going to be the guy. I mean, you knew Nick was going to carry that over into the summer as best he could. Um, you know, there, and, and there's been legitimate competition, certainly, probably more so than there hasn't. And I, I think that's going to be the case once again. I think I think an argument that you could make that favors, um, you know, Mac Jones is the same argument you could make that favors Bryce Young or Talia uh, in this situation. And it goes back to that supporting cast. You know, all three or four of these guys in this race are going to have the same luxury. They're going to have guys around them, guys in front of them uh, that can best help them make their case uh, for the starting job. Now, now we we talked about on defense so much because it's such a, a heavy class when you talk about edge defenders, outside linebackers, but some other potential early impact guys on that side of the ball. I mean, inside linebacker, Demoy Kennedy, he could, he could work. He could cross train between a number of the linebacker spots. Uh, Brian branch at that safety position, uh, Tim. And so, uh, need to hit on a couple of these other guys on the defensive side of the ball that aren't necessarily Jack or Sam linebacker types, uh, that could shake things up considerably here in 2020. Yeah, you know, when you look at a lot of these guys, just a defensive group, I was just sort of running through, and you touched on Demoy Kennedy. Um, Demoy was probably the hottest prospect in the nation at one point, you know, probably a mm-hmm. month ago. His senior film hit. Uh, everyone was talking about Demoy. LSU, you know, the thing, here's the thing. You followed it. I trust my eyes as well as anybody. I can consider myself a pretty good evaluator and understand what I'm looking at. There's also little hints and stuff. When I look up and Demoy Kennedy's a top inside linebacker for Alabama or, or LSU, and you know you could probably throw Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. When they, you start looking at guys like Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, Nick Saban, all the Ed Orgeron, all those guys, and they're you know they pretty much consider this guy the top of their board along with Justin Flo from California. You got to put a lot of respect on that kid, you know, regardless of what you think you see. You got to respect him. But then you look at his senior film and he's outstanding. I mean, this guy's taking. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of Wildcat, Slade Bolden better watch out. This guy's taking Wildcat and going 96 yards against a stacked front 
front, you know, you know, a stacked front, um, just a big time athlete scores some touchdown, picks off some pass, probably a little light in the britches, you know, a little bit, a little bit leaner than you want him to be, but he certainly put on that weight, got that bulldog mentality. You know, I think that he's another one that's like going to do work and, you know, again, a very heated recruiting battle and, you know, guys, you know, the, the biggest thing I took out of this class is Alabama needed guys to, to get to the quarterback and they needed guys to help them get to the quarterback. You know, you need Tim Smith occupying two offensive linemen to let Drew Sanders run free, you know? So I think they got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of them. And like you said, we just sort of skimmed over Jamil Burroughs. Jamil Burroughs definitely, you know, he's got to do some academics to do, but he's one of my favorite guys in the class. I mean, he's, I wouldn't, I mean, you can't rank him in the top 10 because his class is so loaded. But he's a guy nobody talks about. They don't talk about him nearly as enough. His senior film's outstanding. And what happened with Jamil, uh, it's my understanding that his junior year, you know, he's committed to Georgia. You know, you're not a bad prospect, especially with Kirby only taking three or four kids in his own state. This guy uh, was committed to Georgia. So um, coaching change at the high school, got a little bit out of shape, actually, probably a lot out of shape, to be honest. Scared some people. Got a new coach and staff. You know, that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Got a new coach and staff. Got in shape. And he was great his senior year. His senior year. His film's not a far drop off from Tim Smith's, to be in fact. That tells you how good it is. He's really good, really active. I love seeing a defensive tackle's highlight tape when it's six-plus minutes. Travis, you know, that's a lot of plays for a yeah. bit. You, know, you, you don't just put uh... – you don't just put occupying two blockers on six minutes of tape. You're making that's, plays, that's getting off blocks. Yeah, when it's you know, and I can get if it's two minutes and thirty two seconds because a lot of these guys are being double teamed and mm-hmm. you know triple teamed and ran away from. They just don't have a lot of opportunities. Deron, I went to a game with Deron Payne. I'm not sure he had a highlight that night, but I guarantee you the coaches were happy because one half of that field was basically locked off from running running against him. Um, but, I mean, when you look at that, that's another guy that could come in and provide some depth. Hadn't got a lot of attention. Uh, Flip from Georgia, which normally would be a huge deal, but for some reason wasn't. But there's a, that's another guy that did a really good job as a senior year. And, again, he's got academic concerns. Uh, you know, going to have to make up some ground. And, really, you know, the, the plan is in place for Jamil to make it. He's just got to do it. Yeah, and there are some line of scrimmage guys. Uh, that we haven't hit on necessarily that that have a chance big picture wise to Marion Latham, uh, the DL from nearby Pickens County. Uh, Javion Cohen was a newsy flip for sure later in the process in making the switch from Auburn to Alabama, the six foot five offensive tackle from Phoenix City. Um, so there, you know, it, again, it, across the board, uh, you look at this group, and and regardless of the the, the top twenty two four seven rankings that have come out, that have certainly been favorable to so many of these guys. Um, I talked about Brian Branch in the secondary. You know, Christian Story figures to be one of the more intriguing guys to come in here as a part of this class because of his versatility. We've seen him so many different ways. Perhaps it's going to be safety ultimately where he calls home. But um, you know, Tim, you add all this up and we see Alabama in that number one spot on Tuesday in the top in the uh, 24 seven sports team rankings. Uh, what, what needs to happen here down the stretch for Alabama to stay there? Do you think Alabama's in good shape to do that? And uh, is Georgia perhaps now the, the top competitor to Alabama for that spot? 
you know, I'm not smart enough or nerdy enough to know how that works. <laughs> Why do you think I asked you, Tim? Sweet. Our, mes- our message board has some smart, nerdy guys that would be able to answer that to the T, uh, whether or not we have, accountants. we have accountants on the board who are we billing have- customers we- while they're figuring this we out have- for us. We have some smart fellas on there. I, I mean, we have some really good guys. I mean, obviously getting McKinley Jackson would be huge. He's a top 60 type player, 65. I think we have him in the country. That would be a step. Whether or not they sign some of these other guys, uh, you know, Baker and Burroughs. They're also looking at, you know, Alfred Collins, as we mentioned, defensive back Enos uh, Rakestraw from Texas. You know, one thing I'd like to point out going back to the class, I'm trying to make sure we don't really miss anything. You know, at one point, the biggest weakness on this class seemed to be the offensive line. You remember that? Like, yeah, they got nobody. They got nobody. Nobody like Seth McLaughlin, although he's a good center prospect. Damian George was rated low. But flip forward a month, eight weeks, six weeks, and you got Damian George all of a sudden looking like a pretty legitimate. He could have been in the top 247, finished 304. He definitely could have been up there. And my guess is if Damian does the right things, we're going to hear from Damian. We're going to hear from Damian in the top three rounds of the NFL draft one day. Um, also, Cohen, you touched on him, Javion Cohen, the flip from uh, Auburn. He's a really good prospect. You know, Auburn, you know, Alabama did a great job of evaluating. Auburn did a, just as good a job because half the Alabama's guys they signed were committed to Auburn at one point, I think. So that's a good evaluation by, by Auburn, a big kid, an athletic kid. So I think that offensive line has actually turned into more of a plus. I mean, you're given a grade early on. You're probably giving them a C minus, you know, D almost even for just getting a center and what you thought was a project offensive tackle, someone that needed a lot of work. Well, now you're seeing George is much better. You know Cohen's much better. And Seth's not bad at all. I think you're looking at a solid B class. And before I forget the defenders, Jackson Bratton, he's a yeah. guy He's a guy that moved up 30 spots. You know, we sent our boys to the Alabama-Mississippi game. Um, this guy's a football player. Yeah, he is. He's, a, he's another guy that, you know, I love – I love seeing guys do what they're not supposed to do. I love, I've never, the, one of the best clips I've ever seen was Dante Hightower returning a kickoff for a touchdown. That has opened up my eyes. Um, Jadavian Clowney returned to, you know, kickoff for a touchdown. That's just stuff you don't expect to see that you absolutely love. Well, Jackson Bratton's one of those guys that did it. Heck of a football player. Uh, he's a north south guy. He's between the tackle, he's got solid speed, um, but he'll hit you. And he's smart. I think that's a big part of being a linebacker, Alabama, is being a smart, being a smart kid and being athletic. And I think he fits the mold there. That front seven group, I don't think we can talk enough about it. I really don't yeah. think we can talk enough about it because no matter what, you know, we you know we were we're skipping through and not even mention Jamil, barely or Jackson. That's how good this class is. And yeah. other, you know, we'd probably be talking about him a lot more. Bratton can run the show for this group from oh, that middle linebacker yeah. position. I, I think that's that's a value for him that even in that Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game became pretty apparent because, you know, where you typically see a lot of substitution in All-Star games because you're trying to get all these guys opportunities in those, in those games, Jackson Bratton was a constant, and that told me it was because that Alabama coaching staff needed him in there to make sure everything ran correctly in addition to what he can do physically and from a playmaking standpoint. Yeah, and I know he's probably a little bit thicker than Kennedy, but they sort of have, to me, they sort of have that potential to be 
that that inside duo i mean both of them are smart both of them are dogs both of them have a good work ethic both of them just you know they just have that knack for being around the ball i would guess jackson's probably a good you know he's probably 15 20 pounds heavier at least than yeah. demoy right now but i think when demoy catches up jackson will probably settle in i think we're looking at sort of yin and yang there possibly smart guys make plays work together communicate I think they both have, you know, have a lot of that, and it's going to be needed because there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in front of them. You know how, you know how that defense is. So, um, yeah, again, the defensive group to me, I think at the end of the day, on paper, it's as good as the offensive group in 2017, and you know what a mouthful that is. Devonta yeah. Ruggs, two, and all those guys, Leatherwood. I, I, yeah, I think it's the defensively. I think it's pretty close to the equivalent, and I think the impact will be the same. Yeah, Jackson Bratton could end up being your every down Mike at some point, and you could still have Demoy Kennedy as an every down guy because he projects as that sort of again cross training linebacker that you can play at say the weak side position on your base and nickel packages, and then when you get into your dime rabbits, when you're really trying to get after the quarterback, you can keep him out there as more of a a pass rusher or a guy who can can drop into coverage as well and you know one guy that's really interesting to both of us i know is is uh john marin latham you know the the small school guy he's going to have a learning curve a local Uh, prospect a long time commitment um just not talked about you know and i and i get it because he he just locked it down and let it loose and not a lot talked about i was amazed when i saw his offensive film not get he's play here's the thing when you're playing 2A football or whatever it is, you're playing small school ball, there's a lot of benefits. You can manhandle everybody. I was a defensive tackle for Pete's sake at that level. You can manhandle me at that size. But also a lot of those guys are smaller and quicker, right? Latham did a great job on offense blocking those guys. His offensive film was really good. I don't know if he'll end up on offense. If he does, I think the offensive line grade goes up. If he ends up on defense, I think the defensive line grade goes up. Obviously, Learning curve at that small school is going to be steeper. Um, we've seen them bust that steeper, you know, that 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 learning curve uh, quicker than expected from a small school. But I mean, I think he'll need to get bigger and stronger. But another guy that fits in, and we really, I guess, we don't talk about him as much because we don't know exactly where he fits in just yet. Me, I'm on the offensive line side, especially if they get McKinley Jackson and last year's defensive line hall. I would for sure think offensive line, but also. He's a redshirt guy, probably, and you don't really have to make that choice right, right away. And Travis, you know, that's a huge advantage. Get him in the spring or, or getting him, you know, get him on campus. He won't be there in spring. Get him on campus, try him out of position, not really his thing, switch him to the other side during his redshirt year. That's a huge advantage. Well, and he's also a guy who plays for a former Alabama tight end in Michael Williams over there at Pickens County. So uh, who knows? Maybe as an extra offensive lineman, a big tight end, you know, things, there's some versatility there with Latham, no doubt. All right. Let's, let's talk a little about the defensive backs. Make sure we've got so much good stuff here. Brian branch is another kid. You know, Alabama did a really good job. I think they got two of the top five players or three of the top 10 in Georgia or something. Brian branch is a playmaker. Um, I'm not sure what the knock on him. I mean, a lot of people said his speed wasn't very good or, or that was the early knock, but his game speed. I mean, this guy's returning punts. He's blocking punts. He's intercepting passes. He's a wide receiver. Very exciting guy. 
Um, it's going to come in at safety. Malachi Moore, he's going to be coming in a little bit later. But another Hewitt in-state kid, big must. You know, that's another guy. You look at a lot of these guys, and they look like they're going to weightlifting competition. Mal- Malachi's a kid. He's a big, strong, ripped-up kid. Um, can hit, very physical. You know, I think he's a little bit, could possibly be, uh, you know, probably safety. Could be that sort of nickel star or whatever when they need that fifth defensive back if necessary. And Christian Story, I know you and I have talked about it. He's one of the most interesting guys in the in the country, I think, because he's playing that small school ball. You know, I laugh because I, I bet he got 25 uh, celebration penalties. That guy would take a football when he scored and kick it to the moon. He would have so much fun playing the game. But athletically, uh, you know, I think he's going to get a look at safety. But at the same time, you know, he sort of looks like he grew into an outside linebacker to me. Probably could end up on the offensive side of the ball if you wanted him to as well. Um, and then, of course, Ronald Williams, who's the JUCO guy. I think we've covered everybody now. But Ronald Williams, another late find. You know, we told that story that Ronald, like his junior college coaches before the year, weren't really even talking Ronald up to, 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 the, uh, to the college staffs. He had other guys ahead of him, it sounded like. And then this guy came out on film and was a lockdown defensive back. Two for two, coming in next year, should be an instant impact player. And that's a lot. You know, I'm curious, like, have you really looked at this, Travis, and thought how many of these guys, how many do you think is going to redshirt versus how many you play? I think there's going to be a lot of guys on the field for the, was it, third or fourth year in a row. Yeah, there's the four-game rule that, that helps you now in terms of being able to play guys up to four games and still preserve that let, redshirt. Let me ask you real quick. Oh, let me ask you real quick. Do you like the rule or do you think it's cheating? We've never discussed this. I like the rule. I, I think, like the rule. I, I think it's cheating. Why do you I think it's cheating? Because you're playing one-third of the year and then like, okay, it doesn't count. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, there was – here. here's what you had before, okay? You had the medical redshirt approach where teams were which, playing kids up to 30 up to 30% of the games, which, I think it was. was which and they were making up, they were making up hamstring injuries and stuff. That, that was, basically took the red tape out of all this, you know. That was my point. That was also cheating. No, I'm just messing <laughs> around. But yeah, it's a. I agree with you. It is a huge, huge advantage. Uh, continue your thought. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I. You know, as far as the potential to play a lot of these guys, absolutely. Because even with the four game rule this past year with this 2019 class, Tim. You know, I, I did a piece on BamaOnline.com recently with Hank South on red shirts to watch for 2000 for the 2020 season. I had a hard time coming up with enough guys. They had so many freshmen that exceeded the four-game limit and used a year of eligibility in 2019. A lot of that had to do, I guess, with the defensive side of the ball, but you saw it on offense, too, across the board. With all these three and outs now, Tim, and, and the way things move so quickly with your roster, uh, it, it, it's it's conceivable that, you know, if you sign the full 25 in this group, um, more than half of those guys are going to burn a year at least. I, I would say getting into the higher teams potentially when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, when I look, I mean, you know, when you look run down this list, now there's going to be some exceptions, but there's a lot of guys – that I feel like very confident that they're going to play. I don't think there's any way around it just because they're good enough. The opportunities there, obviously the offensive line will probably be a little bit easier 
to redshirt some of these guys. Yeah. Some decent guys. You know, you still got Pierce Quick and a bunch of guys behind the starters, you know, trying to work in that fifth spot. So, you know, a lot of those guys like a Javian Cohen could, you know, definitely Seth McLaughlin, he could he could redshirt. You know, Latham, we discussed, could redshirt. Damian George physically might be a guy that can get on that field. Now, I do think it probably doesn't have, you know, to me it's a huge advantage. You want to play as a freshman and get serious minutes. I really think you got to be on campus now in December, don't you think? You got to be very enrolly, you know. Yeah, there's there's certainly an advantage to that. Although, I mean, there are instances where guys that continue to come in in the summer and you know they go on to to make pretty big impacts. Christian Harris most recently was one of those guys. You know, didn't get here until the summer. Uh, injuries played a big part of that at inside linebacker, but obviously uh, played a huge role in the 2019 season. But yeah, I, you look at these 13 guys that have been able to get on campus already, um, and specifically you look at area needs uh, where they're going to hit, and it's easy to envision most of these guys, um, you know, seeing the field against USC in early September. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the, the thing about it for me, I think just as big, and I know you've got huge advantages uh, getting the campus early, but, you know, to me, like, thinking, like, I think it's just – getting acclimated sure if you get there in august i mean all hell's breaking loose you've got practice you got meetings you got school which way's the dorm you've seen the movie the program you remember my boy didn't get there early well one of the advantages now yeah that's that's it's huge just to get to know one one of the advantages now is even if you don't get here in january it's not like it was 15, 20 years ago where it was you roll up in August, you know, and, and you jump right That's into fall true. camp. That's true. Guys, if you're not if you're not in that first sort of embargo of or, or enrollees in January, well, late May, early June now, you know, you're able to jump in. And and so you get that summer, at least in the program. The, as you know, the, the college football calendar year for programs, really, it starts June 1st now. And it used to be right. August 1st when you, right. when you would just show up for fall camp. But the NCAA wisely, about a decade or so ago, passed the, the new rule where kids could come in, uh, freshmen could come in and be on scholarship starting in June instead of August. That was the big thing was that, you know, freshmen wouldn't show up till August because their scholarships didn't start until that August. And so uh, that's been a big uh that, that was an initial advantage to teams trying to get young guys on the field. But then now with the man, the evolution of, of early enrollees, it's just, you know, we talk about multiple signing days now, but, but now we really have multiple arrival dates for these guys. Look, you got, you got to be dedicated. I mean, it's, you know, we look at it as adults and I laugh sometimes cause I know we all forget, you know, we're dealing, I mean, no, I don't care how big Alex Leatherwood is. He's still a 20, 21-year-old kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And these kids, I think we get sometimes, I laugh because I do, because some of these guys come off as grown, but they're still 17-year-olds. I deal with my son when they say the world's, you know, I'll be, you know, I brag about them one day and say they're getting so mature. Then they say the dumbest thing in the history. <laughs> like, it's a record book. they like in the Guinness Book of Record for the dumbest thing ever said the next day. So the, it takes some dedication because if you think, about your life as a senior after your football season is over as a senior it's pretty dang good life 
you're going to proms, you're hanging out with girls, your classes are easy, you basically graduated, you're at baseball games and basketball games heckling the other team, you're walking in your letterman jacket. You know what I mean? You're happy. That's a pretty yeah, but good. That's, that's happy days high school football, man. That's back oh, in our era, Tim, dude, man. Dude, I you're, just you're went, talking about the Fonz now. I just, I'm Richie. talking about the Bryson, <laughs> the 19-year-old, last year didn't go to a class after Christmas. I look up every day this summer, guys, like chilling uh, on the couch, eating cereal yeah, with me, you know? Yeah. So I was, he loved it. If he could have, he even said, if I could go to school like this, I'd have went to high school forever. Because they just, oh, yeah. they just, so they've given up a lot is what I'm saying. A lot of fun stuff, a lot of easy stuff. Sure. No more, no more 6 a.m. There's some dedication. But, the- but there's an urgency there because... Think about it from this perspective. If you're not one of these 13 guys on campus already at Alabama, you're probably feeling a little pressure or, you know, a little bit of a sense of, man, I'm I'm getting behind these guys. They're already in there. So that just drives sort of the next class, right? That, okay, they had 13 guys enroll early last year. They had 12, 11 the year before that. If I can get in that group, I need to be in that group. And there's kind of and and again, it's not the be all end all in determining who ultimately is going to be the, the, the top player at, in maybe their respective area, because you can go back to 2016. Look at Miller Forstall uh, early enrollee. Irv Smith came in the summer. Look at Irv Smith now. Miller Forstall may still very well be an NFL player. But it, it wasn't a total indicator of to what to, was to come in the next two or three years for those two guys. Now, I think it's important for, you know, if you're talking about a big guy like Ishmael Sosfer, I think he had a lot better chance of playing and being in shape had sure. he been earlier, obviously. So when I we're talking with that, that totally. Now yeah, the, with, yeah, with big you know, guys, especially yeah. look at left tackle for Alabama. What about that stretch at left tackle? where Alabama was basically taking early enrollees and Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, right tackle, left tackle, and the plugging Ju- those Ju- guys in, and then yeah, they were playing the as true freshmen. Yeah, the Juco kid that went to the Seahawks. I forget his name off the top of my head. Yeah, James Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had those guys come in because you got to think, you know, and I like, you know, I look at the rank, you know, when we do our rankings, you can watch a big guy. Uh, you can see how, like, a big guy can, like, Deron Payne's a classic example. This is how difficult rankings is because Deron Payne's in great shape in November. And then the season ends and Thanksgiving rolls through, and Christmas rolls through, and Christmas break rolls through, and January's a little bit lazy, and February gets here. My boy's put on 20, 25 pounds maybe, and then he goes to a March camp to be seen. That's why Deron Payne, for instance, wasn't a five-star. Cause I would say – I would put it this way. The closer you play to the football um, – the more likely it is you need to be on campus earlier to have a chance to play early, whether that's offensive line, defensive line, quarterback. Um, you, you need that that spring initially probably. The farther away you play from the ball, um, the, the less likely. Corner. Yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good corner, way to look. Corner, wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Those guys typically – seem to have the, the better shot of getting on the and field. Obviously, court. yes. Obviously, for Bryce, it's huge. He's getting a whole – and we've seen that with basically every quarterback, I think, you know, a mm-hmm. recent quarterback. We've seen getting that extra – that spring alone is huge. I mean, yeah. that spring alone, that's like a little mini season, don't you think? Oh, there's no you doubt. Get, you get used to the coach. And, and, and here, here's what else it does for you, Tim, and this is an unintended 
benefit, I think, for players that coaches didn't really count on when all this started. It gets you closer to getting your degree if you get oh, that first great semester. Idea. You know, if if the grad transfer route becomes an option for you down the road, um, already having that degree because in large part you got that early jump, uh, that's beneficial perhaps to you on a personal level down the down the road. And again, I don't think I don't think coaches sort of had that benefit in mind when when this trend sort of got underway, Tim. No, I don't. I think, you know, the football, you know, <laughs> we've been laughing about everything about football so changed, even from 10 oh, years. Yeah. You know, we talk about like, you know, getting a kid, you know, got the early signing period. You've got kids come in so early. Um, you know, you got the late signing period still that, you know, people say it's taking the luster out of recruiting. But I can assure Alabama fans feel that way because Alabama fans were blessed this year. They cruised through a class with the only drama being self-inflicted almost. Yeah. Rumors they read on a random Facebook page or Twitter page for the most part. But I can assure you for other schools, it does not feel any less dramatic than normal. They are freaking out trying to figure out how they're going to finish a class. Also, you know, the portal, guys are in, guys are out. They made it easy. You know, you don't have to talk to your coach. And then, I mean, we saw Zach Evans break ground on the new LOI portal where he signed and got out of it within a matter of weeks. So yeah. we've seen football change at such a level. It, uh, it it really is crazy. I think it's fun, to be honest with you. I like it. I like there's so much change. And, you know, you know, I don't mind all the stuff that's happening right now. As we get out of here on this edition, this special edition of the Built by Bama online podcast, T. Watts and T.R. here with you. Um, you said it, finishing this class. Do you think – how this class finishes for Alabama could ultimately impact the structure of this coaching staff as we see it for 2020, or do you see that as sort of inconsequential in the, in the big picture uh, scheme of things and in terms of, you know, what this coaching staff will, will look like moving forward? You know, it's hard really, I know you know this, it's hard to sort of try to think like Nick Saban. I mean, he's such a unique guy and, he knows what he needs, and he knows what he needs to do it. Um, I hate to speculate. I will say one of the you know the biggest rumors we were hearing and uh, behind the scenes was that there would be a new defensive line coach. I think that was consistently a rumor. It turned out to be true. And with Alabama, there could always be – you know, there's always gamesmanship with this. You got coaches waiting to make a move till after national signing day, so there could be a coach getting a promotion somewhere else, maybe even the NFL that we don't know about. I haven't heard this rumor Shoot, I think I just started the rumor, right? <laughs> I think I just started Exclusive. The rumor. Breaking. Breaking scoop. So, I mean, you got so much going on. There definitely is a possibility there could be change. I'm not aware of any for sure change. I mean, I think. You're not hearing a strong drumbeat. Like you said, uh, defensive line was consistent. Really starting at about midseason, you started to hear that pick up. But uh, I, I'm with you. I haven't heard that consistent drumbeat legitimately from within the building over there off Bryant drive as, as it, as it concerns other spots. And that that's not to say it won't happen at other spots, but right. it hasn't been as consistent. Has it? No, I'll say this is based, you know, our past history working this beat we've, you know, off record. A lot of times we've discussed what we are hearing, what's might be coming. And we've, we've known, we've, we've been well aware of a lot of possibilities that ended up turning out to be true this year. We've been kind of quiet. I mean, we've talked yeah. about, 
we've talked more about family trips in Montana and co you know <laughs> trips to Asheville and where what kind of biscuit we like than we've really talked about possible coaching changes. And I know I don't think Nick Saban's as reactionary as a lot of people are. I mean, I know recruiting. I know one thing. You better be able to recruit at Alabama if you're a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Now it's a little bit different offensive coordinator. You know, that's that's they don't they've never had a long history of recruiting a lot of guys. If you look back at every Alabama offensive coordinator, Sark obviously got Bryce Young. They're usually involved pretty heavily with the quarterback, it seems like. Um they just got a lot on their plate. Same for the defensive coordinator, but they usually get out a little bit more. Uh Kirby, Jeremy, Pete are known as recruiters. So they usually get after it after that season's over. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not hearing a lot of change. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, you know, you, you, you got so many factors into a coaching change. Does Nick Saban want to make a change? You heard Carl Scott kind of rumored with Baylor, right, here in the last week with Dave Aranda yeah, taking that job, but that didn't play out that way. I think it was a legitimate interest from Baylor, to be honest with you. Right. Um, I think Baylor. But we're talking right. about Saban-initiated change more than interest right. coming from right. other other places and that that was more the case with scott right that was that was baylor uh maybe courting carl scott as much as anything yeah i think i think there were some feeler there's i know scott scott's got uh some nfl feelers you know it's a tricky road uh with nick saban too i mean you gotta i mean first of all he pays really well second of all having that on your resume is a big deal i mean there's a lot of people that got better you know bigger and better jobs than they probably were at different positions coaching and, and off the field because of having Nick Saban speak highly of them. I know of a few myself, but, um, I, I, you know, I think the interest from other people has been shown, but it's hard. I mean, Nick Saban pays a lot of money, you know what I mean? And it's a good yeah. job. So you have, I think Carl Scott was probably was a guy. I know he had interest from some NFL teams that never really took off. I know, I know Baylor was interested, but there's probably a lot of guys at Alabama over the years they've been interested in. But as you said, Saban making the move, I don't know anything right now, but I will say this. I think Nick Saban is a man of stages. You know what I mean? I think he's getting through this signing period, and then I think he's got a, you know. Mile markers. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's focused on mile markers. And that's how I live every day of my life, every week Mm -hmm. of my life, every month of my life. I've got something scheduled, or, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to plan this at this time. You know, like our Europe trip. I didn't plan anything on our Europe trip since uh, August. The season started. I put it on a pin in it. Came back to it when I've had some free time. So I think the Griswolds, the Griswolds take Europe. It's going to be the next vacation movie, we're about by the way. Amsterdam, Paris, and London will never be. Oh my gosh. You'll, your kids will never come home from Amsterdam. You better be careful over there in Amsterdam. Bama, yeah. the Braves, and the Saints. They better be careful. <laughs> hell. People in Amsterdam better be careful. I'm coming. You can pretty much do in Denver now what you can do in Amsterdam. So. Not not a big deal anymore. That'd be a, that'd be a short two day trip, uh, <laughs> and then we're mostly in Paris and in London. But yeah, I haven't heard of anything. Doesn't mean anything's gonna happen. I'm not I'm not one, and I know you're not either. To speculate randomly because we're talking yeah. about men's jobs and families and all that stuff. So and it gets in in the context and translation of that when you go that route gets so lost and distorted that it ends up being an absolute nightmare. Unfortunately, it does. And again, if we you even, see if you even touch on it these days it's true but hey it's been a lot of fun tim and it's always a lot of fun right there on bamaonline.com especially on that premium message board the round table uh any words to close us out here tim no i said i've said this so many times i really hope the listeners 
if they get an hour, they'll pick through 10 or 12 guys and watch them. And not just the top guys. I'm telling you, if people watch the bottom of this class, if you watch some of these guys, Caden Clark before his injury, Seth, Jackson, Bratton, you know, Malachi Moore, all these guys, if you watch them, George, for instance, the, the Under Armour film we put up the other day on the round table, um, Cohen, the guys that came on late, Ronald Williams, I think they will really love this class. And I've never, you know me, I've never beat a cl- beat the drum for a class like this. Um, I knew 17 was special, 2008 was special, but those guys, Julio Jones and all those guys were ranked really high to begin with. Mm-hmm. This what makes this class special to me is they weren't all ranked really high, and every one of them is deserving. And I can make a case for three or four more that were possible five stars. I can make a legitimate case that Chris Braswell is a five star or or Demoy Kennedy. There are guys mm-hmm. up there that have legitimate cases that are, are you know are even to be in the top 50 or top 100. So I would enjoy this class and I would appreciate the Alabama staff for the job they did this year. Yeah. And it's not over. So you're going to want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. McKinley Jackson, the four-star defensive tackle from Loosedale, Mississippi one week from today at his high school over there in the Magnolia state will make his intentions known. So Plenty of coverage still to come at BamaOnline.com. The roundtable, again, a great place to post up for Crimson Tide fans. The place to post up if you're a Crimson Tide fan. Thanks, as always, Tim. We'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Thank you. There he goes, Tim Watts. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. So long, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.